I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've been talking to you about prophecy, and particularly the 70 weeks of Daniel. Most people are not even familiar with that, and that is probably the very most important thing in determining the end of time. You've got the Old Testament, and then you've got a bridge to the New Testament. And that bridge would be the 70 weeks of Daniel. 70 weeks of Daniel. Most people want to know, when is the end of time coming? Everything in the Old Testament has to do with Israel. Literal Israel. Literal Israel. And it was because of what Israel did while they were a nation under kings that God has made this bridge and measured it out to Israel. This is a time period of God's judgment, God's judgment against Israel for what they did while they were a nation. They were a nation from judges through, and then it'll take you through 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. That's why they were a nation under kings. There wasn't a nation under judges. God appointed these judges to lead Israel when they came back to the promised land after 40 years in the wilderness and after 400 years in Egypt. And then before Egypt, there was Joseph, Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Joseph had 12 sons, starting with Reuben, down through Benjamin. And these 12 sons were called Israel because Jacob's name was changed to Israel in the 32nd chapter of Genesis. So any prophecies that talk about Jacob long after he's dead is talking about the 12 tribes or 12 sons of Jacob which became the nation of Israel. So God kept telling them, I've given Abraham this land. The land belongs to Abraham. Land. And then he gives it to Isaac and gives it to Jacob. He gives it to Jacob in the 28th chapter of Genesis 28. And Abraham and Isaac get that land. It's recorded that they get the land in Genesis the 17th chapter even though Isaac isn't even born yet and even conceived yet so and God names him by name now we're talking about what they did while they were a nation while they were a nation under judges every time one of these judges would die every time one of them would die I've got them right here I think I've got them pretty close to the front of this. Let me see here. 
let's see if I can find the judges. There's a list of them, and each one of them would die. And as soon as they died, Israel would go back to serving Baal and the grove. Here they are right here. No, that's the minor prophets. Here's the judges right here. Ehud, Shamgar, Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Ibzan, Elon, Abdon, Samson, and then Samuel. Those were the judges that ruled Israel before they had kings. When they got kings, God kept telling Israel, when they left Egypt after 400 years, as they're going into the wilderness, God tells Moses, you tell Israel if they go after other gods, I've got four judgments. I've got the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and I'll send that over and over. And finally, if they just refuse to obey me, I'll send the beast. And the beast is always a world ruling system. It is never a man. The Bible doesn't teach that in the original text. It's a ruling system, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then Rome. Babylon carries away northern Israel and southern Judah, and then Persia overthrows Babylon, Greece overthrows Persia, and Rome subjugates these four generals that take over for Alexander the Great when he dies. Well, they removed Israel because what they did while they were a nation from First Kings through Second Chronicles. They went after Baal and Grove and Shemash and Molech. And the list goes on and on and on. So God scatters northern Israel in, in five... In, I'll get it right in a minute. 722 B.C. 722 B.C. And southern Judah he scatters in 586 B.C. The, you keep saying that, Jim. The whole idea of the scattering, the Bible says at the end of time, they will come back as one nation. One nation. And that there will be an enmity up to that point between southern Judah and northern Israel. The enmity is that they're constantly at war with each other, but God says at the end of time, May 14th, 1948, this is going to be the generation that will not pass away till everything is fulfilled. So they became a nation, and that one was healed. You'll find that that... The Bible specifically, specifically talking about the wound being healed in Isaiah, the eleventh chapter, and in Ezekiel, the thirty-seventh chapter, which is the story of the Valley of Dry Bones, and that is about Israel coming back together as one nation. Now. I've got a thousand things to say. I'm teaching on the 70 weeks of Daniel. 70 weeks. I've looked at this from every kind of... I've been studying this for since 1964. 
that's when I begin to get into it. And I'm going through everything that I can think of. I'm going to talk to you about what I started introducing you to just a couple of days ago. I'm going to talk to you about the laws of the Medes and Persians. The reason I said Medes and Persians, that's the way the Bible puts it. This the Persian Empire they had it had it's represented in the eighth chapter of Daniel as the beast with two horns. And one horn is longer than the other. The Persians were stronger than the Medes. This was a dual empire, and it's understand it's important to understand that because it was a two-horned goat. And it was and it the Persians were the strongest. Persia was the old was what we would call today Persia is what we would call Iran Iraq oh let me go back this way it was Iran Iraq you need to understand when the Bible says the Persia it's talking about hold on I'll get to it here this is my favorite Map because it takes in all of the empires of the ancient world all the way to the Strait of Gibraltar here. Uh, you're coming in. This is France here, and this is this is Africa down here, and they are separated simply by a little body of water coming through to the Mediterranean. The Persian Empire was. The Persian Empire overthrew Babylon. Persia overthrows. Persia would be up here in Iran and Pakistan over here. This is Iraq, or what we would call ancient Babylon. So Persia comes in. Cyrus overthrows Babylon. And Babylon carried Israel away to captivity uh, because they were going after And it was God's idea to carry them away because all the time they were a nation. They were going after all these sun and tree goddesses, which was the same thing as Christ's mass. Come back and see this, Steve. All right. Now, I'm going to kind of introduce something I want you to understand here. There There were four decrees given to these kings... Let me erase this. This, it's like Michelle told me one week, she said, this is just a story. And I said, yes, it's a story. It has a lot of details, but don't make it a bunch of confusion of, of nations and empires that is not chronologically connected to one another because they're all connected. It's just simply different laws that they had. I'm telling you a story like 
once upon a time, there was a king over here, and he was David. And I'm going through all of this and showing it to you. It's a story. That's what you got to learn to look at it as. Now, I'm going to go back through the 70 weeks. I, you can't preach the 70 weeks and have it different messages without kind of resetting what you've been saying. So everything that the Bible is about is about God promising the lineage of Adam all the way down through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you can find that lineage in Genesis, the fifth chapter, and in Genesis, the eleventh chapter. This is after the flood. This is before the flood. So when you, in fact, when you get to the end of Genesis 5, you've got Noah. And then when you start Genesis 11, it starts with his son, Arphaxed. So that's, that's just simply a part of the story. You've got to, you've got to look at this and then look at this. And then when you get down to Jacob, he becomes Israel. His name is changed. Israel means to prevail with God. That's one reason why we're spiritual Israel, because God touched our hearts and wrote on fleshy tables of our hearts, and we prevail with God. And then because they went after all these gods, well, they spent some time in Egypt, and then Joseph is sold into Egypt, and then they come out of Egypt at the hand of Moses, Moses, and then they go through they go through the wilderness forty years, forty years, and then God tells them. You say, Jim, you keep repeating those things. You probably need to repeat it so you understand it. And then forty years in the wilderness, and then they come back into the land with the hand of Joshua. Joshua. Uh, Moses is not allowed to come into the land because he rebels against God. He's a, he's a believer and God loves him, but he's not allowed to come in. And then Joshua and then Judges. In Judges, they have a rule of these Judges I showed you on the board. And then they go, they come in, they, they start in 1 Samuel. If you can look at this line, this is a timeline of the Bible. It's really simple. And then in first and second Samuel, God sets up, due to the rebellion of Israel, he sets up Saul as their first man king. Anytime I say man king, there was a king before that, and God was their king. Isn't that amazing? When you get over here to the New Testament and Jesus is called King of the Jews. And over here, God was their king. God was king. And you'll find that. You'll find that in Hosea, the 13th chapter. 13, you'll find that in First Samuel, the 16th chapter. Where the Bible specifically state God was your king and you want a man to reign over you? And then uh, 
you find that God was their king several places over here. So if God was the king of the Jews and Jesus is called the king of the Jews in the New Testament, evidently the God of the Old Testament was Jesus, right? That's exactly who it was. Now, I want to introduce you to the four decrees. When Israel gets carried away, they're carried away into... Have you ever wondered where, why the Bible said Jesus was king of the Jews? I used to. Now I know. Because he was the God of the Old Testament. Well, that was their king. And they got in trouble when they said, Give us a man to reign over us. They said that in the 8th chapter of 1 Samuel. <laughs> and, and Samuel said, You get a man to be your king. He'll take your daughters and make bakers out of them, confectioners. You'll never see them. They'll be in the palace. And your sons will be running before some chariot into battle. And you want a man king? And all he's got is chariots and, and spears and bows and arrows. And God has got, he has got fire from heaven and earthquakes and lightning bolts. And you want something like a mere spear? To compare with that, and they said, yes. He said, all right. So God gave them, their first king was Saul. And God picked him out of the tribe of Benjamin. Out of the tribe of Benjamin, the the twelfth son of Jacob. And the king has to come out of the fourth son, which was Judah. So, when God, as soon as God picked him out in that ninth chapter of 1 Samuel, when God picked him out, God knew he was going to have to turn away from him. So God caused Saul to do evil in the 11th through the 15th chapter. He would ignore the commandments of God. Well, that's another story. I don't have time to go into that. It's a long story. God finally removed Saul and put David on the throne. When they get into get into First Kings, there's two places where Israel gets wholly involved in this sun and tree worship: the eleventh chapter and the sixteenth chapter of First Kings. In the eleventh chapter, due to Solomon, gosh of all people, Solomon's error in the sixteenth chapter to Ahab's godlessness, Ahab, Solomon allows his seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. A concubine was a secondary wife. They could have intimate relations with them and have babies by them. Concubines. Concubine. They could have babies by them. And so Solomon had his way with a thousand women. And you know a lot of them were beautiful. They weren't all ugly. He had what he wanted. And he said... When he got to be an old man, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, I had all the women I wanted. 
and they were vanity and vexation of spirit. Vexation means to grab for the wind. Solomon had everything. Nobody has ever lived that had more than he had. Richest man in the world, wisest man alive when he was alive, and yet eight, yet a thousand women turned his head away. I'll just read one verse to you out of the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is talking, and he says in that 13th chapter, it's amazing what you find in all these places. In verse 27 of the last chapter, the 13th chapter, Shall we then hearken unto you to do all the great evil, to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? And it says, These strange women, in verse 26, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like Solomon, who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all of Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. Man has no weakness like a woman. He'll do anything for him. Now, let's get back over here to Daniel 9. Daniel's in Babylon. Daniel's over in Babylon. Daniel, remember this is a story. Let me erase this. This is a story. Israel did everything that God said not to do. You know what it sounds like to me? The church in America. They did everything. So God carried away Israel that was unfaithful to him. He carried northern Israel away into Assyria. Northern Israel, Assyria was northern Babylon. And he carried southern Judah away into Babylon in 586 B.C. Those dates are pretty important. 722 up here so when Nebuchadnezzar comes in northern Israel's already carried away into into Assyria Assyria where is Assyria right there right between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea this up here is what we call Russia that's why when Israel was carried northern Israel was carried away and they appear in the Caucasus Mountains. That's where the Caucasian, the ancient Assyrians were Caucasians, the most barbaric people that ever lived. And they went on up in here. And that's why when Israel became a nation in 1948, and you hear people coming back from all over the world, or particularly from Russia, they were the most close people to Israel. They were the ones that had carried them away there. The ancient Russians, ancient Caucasians carried them away. Now, I need to get on with this. All right. Now, let's look back here. In the ninth chapter, there's very few people that are familiar. I had a call from someone here recently, and they said, very few people know anything about the 70 weeks of Daniel. I said, that's right. It is 
what, 70 weeks. Let me give you a definition of the 70 weeks. God carries them away, and they're going to be in captivity until, until, here's the way Luke twenty one twenty four puts it. Luke 21, starting verse 20, is about Israel being carried away by the sword. That would be talking about southern Judah and northern Israel is carried away by the sword. They're going to be, they're going to fall by the sword and they'll be carried away into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles until, until the Gentile rule is finished over the Jews. That is the whole context of that section. Until the Gentile rule is finished. Well, let me tell you, it has really begun to be finished May 14th, 1948. That's when it started. They became a nation. And the two nations had come together as one nation. There's no longer an enmity between northern Israel and southern Israel, or northern Israel and southern Judah. That has to do with the end of time. So they're going to be under this rule of Gentiles. The whole purpose of the 70 weeks, the 70 weeks is a time period. Let me put it this way. The 70 weeks is, is let me put it this way. This is kind of a definition of it is a time period of God scourging Israel. It's a time period of God scourging Israel to cause them to cause them to cease their idolatry. And you're going to find the things they have to cease in Daniel. Nine twenty-four. That's a good definition for the seventy weeks. It's a time period of God scourging Israel and beating them with an inch of their life. The last Assyrian that beat Israel was a Caucasian named Adolf Hitler. He killed six million of them. Six million during World War Two. That's why President Harry Truman, our president, pressured all of the world. He told all of the nations of the world, we will sanction every port in the world if we have to. A sanction is a blockade where you can't get... Do you all realize how much the nations of the world depend on us for food and for and for economy?
tremendously. It's a trade agreement that goes on between us and all the nations of the world. That's something you can't hardly even be expressed unless you have a great big group of men that know all about that. And they'll talk about it. They won't ever come to any final conclusions. So, this is what it is. Whenever it ends, which we know it's beginning to end, May 14th, 1948, that's when they become a nation. There's a verse in Amos that says, Once God brings them back, in Amos, the ninth chapter, I've read it once before. In Amos, the ninth chapter, this is very important. Verse 15, I will plant them upon their land. They're planted there now. And they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them. They're never going to be pulled up. The Arabs are wasting their time. The Arab nations are not going to get anything done. Not if God is involved and he is. Well, they had these wars that I've already read to you about. They had the war of, they had this war of independence. Then they had the the fifty six fifty seven war. That was the Sinai War. You can look these up on the internet and read about them. And then they had the six day war. Sixth way, June fifth through tenth, and that was in nineteen sixty seven. And then they had the Yom Kippur War. And all of this made Israel stronger and stronger in 1973. Now, the thing is, these wars show that the Gentile, they were ruled by the Jews from 586 when Nebuchadnezzar come in and carried them away captive. And I've given all of you this paper that shows you, I had one up here, but it's got all the dates and all the people on it that, that uh, led Israel away. I think this is it. Yeah, this is it here. This paper will show you from the time that they were carried away by Nebuchadnezzar, shows you all the nations that held sway over and had them captive all the way through this 1917 when they were liberated after the end of World War One, and uh, it's really amazing. Now, I said up here, the 70 weeks is a time, period of God scourging Israel to cause them to cease their idolatry as found in Daniel 9.24. Let's read Daniel 9.24. That's a good thing for the title of this message. Seventy weeks. Write that down for me, somebody. All right. I'll just call it that. Then the angel Gabriel comes to Daniel. Daniel is pleading with the angel, with God, all the way through the ninth chapter. How long are we going to be in this captivity? Daniel is over here in the captivity. Daniel, Ezekiel, in the captivity in Babylon. Jeremiah is over here in Israel. 
Jeremiah's down here in Jerusalem. They're over here in on this Euphrates River there. It says Euphrates. They're on the Euphrates River at Babylon being held captive. Well, one good thing about it, uh, Daniel is beloved by those Persian kings. Nebuchadnezzar really cares about Daniel. So does Darius of Persia really cares about him. Now, these are the things that have to happen during the 70 weeks. They all have to come to an end. And you'll see that in verse 24 of Daniel 9. The angel of the Lord, Gabriel, comes and says, Daniel, thou art greatly loved, beloved. And then Gabriel gives him the answer how long they're going to be in captivity. He says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Why the seventy weeks? Because they had seventy sets of sabbatical years. They had a sabbatical year is a year where they had to leave the land alone and it had to lie there and not be harvested and not planted for every seven years. They had 70 sets of these weeks of years. It doesn't say 70 weeks. It says 70 Shabua. It means sevens. Seventy sevens are determined upon you because you went 490 years never keeping these sabbatical years as well as I personally believe the reason they went after Baal and the grove these were fertility gods they said they don't require this one year out of every seven years they don't require that we can just let me show you something in Hosea Hosea the second chapter Hosea, the second chapter, it will tell you. These other gods were supposed to giving, be giving them their, their crops. In Hosea, the second chapter, in verse 5, he's talking about Israel. For their mother hath played the harlot, to be a harlot meant to go after a lover. She that conceived them hath done shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers. The Bible speaks of Baal and the grove and Shemash and Molech as being adultery with God. Israel is married to God. And it calls all these gods lovers. And give me my bread and my water, my wool, my flax. They're giving credit to these sun and tree gods for all of their flax, their wool, their bread, mine oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns when you give these gods credit. And make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, talking about Israel. But she shall not overtake them, and she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. That's talking about Israel going back to the Lord. For then was it better with me than now. 
for she did not know that I gave her corn. God says, if you follow me and my statutes and my commandments, I'll fill up your basket in your store. He said, I'm the one that gave you corn, not those gods and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. You say Baal gave it to you and Baal did not give it to you. I did. God is furious. Therefore, I will return and take away my corn and the time thereof and my wine and the season thereof and will recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness, talking about Israel. And now I will discover, now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers. It's really simple language. He's calling those gods that Israel go after her lovers and is saying they're giving the gods credit for their for their all of their food and flax and oil when the Bible says the only way you'll have that from me is you have to keep my commandments and one of his commandments was a sabbatical year which they went 490 years and never kept we have to do that out west our farmers have to they can't plant every field every year with the same thing it sucks all the nutrients out I will cause all her mirth to cease. Mirth means fun, joy. Her feast days, her new moons, and her Sabbaths, and all their solemn feasts. He says, I'll stop it all. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees. God says, "You, but how's he doing that? He doesn't have to do it. All he has to do is let them stay not keeping their sabbatical years and all the nutrients just suck out of the ground and they won't be able to grow anything right these are my rewards that my lovers have given me and I will make them a forest and beast of the field shall eat them and I could go on in that let's go back over here so the thing that God has to do with the 70 weeks is stop the things going on in Daniel 9.24. These are Gabriel's words. 70 weeks are determined upon your people, Daniel, and all of the Jews, all of Israel, and upon the holy city, which is called Jerusalem, to do six things. To finish the transgression. I said it last week. The word is kalah. This is what the 70 weeks is for. Is to stop Israel from going after these other gods that they give credit to. To finish the transgression, kalah. To make an end of sins. End. Katham. C-H-A-T-H-A-M make an end of sins all that stuff going on in the Middle East is about this right here all those wars is about this we're studying the Middle Eastern wars by studying the Bible it's all judgment against Israel but the Bible says I'll never root them up again when they're home. You can believe there's going to be a war over there. And that war, we're going to, 
we're going to look at that in when we start talking about about the last war and we'll see that in Ezekiel 39 and it will be expressed as Armageddon in the book of Revelation Armageddon I'll go into that before this is over with and show you what it's about we are one of the most privileged people to ever live in the world we're watching Bible prophecy come about we're watching it take place alright now let's keep reading to finish Israel's transgression where they went after other gods to make an end of sins to finish the transgression we've already said that that means to finish Israel transgressing against God all the time they are a nation in the books of the kings Samuel Kings and Chronicles as well as the book of Judges they kept pulling away from God and going after Balaam and Ashtaroth which was a generic term for all the tree deities of the grove to make an end of sin we went through that Kathon means to close up all their sins stop them with beating Israel with this this full 490 years if you got a beating for 490 years you think you might learn something <laughs> I think that's nearly funny God has beat me a lot of years of my life that's he said he scourges every son he receives so he might be a partaker of his holiness and he said Israel was his son his firstborn so he's going to have to beat Israel for seven for 490 years to make reconciliation we've already gone through this to make reconciliation for iniquity reconciliation atonement kafar that's the same word as atonement the same word as when as when the high priest would go into the holy of holies on the day of atonement and sprinkle that ark of the covenant with the blood of a goat the high priest would go in sprinkle that ark of the covenant and now our hearts are sprinkled and then he says to make reconciliation from iniquity bring in everlasting righteousness in other words God says after I get through beating you for 490 years you will stop serving other gods and your righteousness will be everlasting from there on. But you say, where does the church come into that? The church is spiritual Israel and literal Israel is really spiritual. As long as they were obedient to God and he says that in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26, as long as you obey me, I'll give you all these things. If not, I'll kill you. See, with God, it's not. With God, it's not either. It's my way or the highway. God says, "With me, it's my way. There is no highway." And when people say it's my way or the highway, the highway means get out of here and go down the road. There's no highway with God. You belong to Him. He says, "I'll beat you within an inch of your life until you get obedient to me." 
I know about that. God has beat the tar out of me, put me in the hospital, nearly killing me. And I'm not the person I was when I was young. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up. Bring is a word, bow, meaning to attain everlasting. And the word everlasting is the word olam, meaning eternal. I'm going to make Israel eternal in my heavens with me. And you're everybody that bows to me. And the only way we can bow is to write it in fleshy tables of our heart. And he has to whip us, all of us, that belong to him. And so he says, I will bring in, bring in. Bring means to bow is the word bring. Everlasting is the word O-W-L-A-M. It means it always has been and it always will be. And to seal up the vision and prophecy, seal is the same word as katham. C-H-A-T-H-A-M. To seal up means to, when God makes an end of revelation of the inspired prophet he said all prophecy will be over it'll be finished and then he says to anoint the most holy that's what the inner sanctuary was called the holy of holies or the house of god because he sat upon that mercy seat and he ruled israel from that and it was God's house. And the Bible says, Christ is the son of his own house. Whose house are we? Our hearts were sprinkled with the blood of Christ in the 10th chapter of Hebrews. So that's talking about us as well as Jews have always been spiritual. God didn't save everybody because they were born of the seed of Abraham. They had to be a special people that he picked out and destroyed everybody else. Now, what I'm going to have to do, let me, let's read verse 25. This takes some time to go through. Know you therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince, he's going to measure out for you how long it's going to take. From the going forth of the commandment. Let me erase this. Write that down for me right there, Mike. I want that title. Okay. All right. That That's the best statement that explains it. That statement explains the 70 weeks. It's a time period. It's kind of like when your father spanks you with a switch, it's the time period he uses to spank you with. If he spanks you for five minutes, then it's over. God spanks his people for 40 times seven, 70 times seven. Jesus said, the apostles said, 
how often should we forgive a man when he repents? And Jesus said, 70 times 7. That's the number of completeness with God. Now, what I'm teaching the 70 weeks is all about Israel, Iran, Iraq, Lebanon, which is right above Israel. It's about Jordan, which is right next door to Israel. It's about Egypt. Everything in the Bible is about this area right here. Everything. That's everything in the Bible. I love that map because it's right on the Mediterranean. The beast rises up out of the sea, and the beast is Babylon. Persia, Greece, Rome. And I never heard anybody say the beast comes up out of the sea. It doesn't mean some mystical sea somewhere. It means this Mediterranean Sea is where the beast was. It's not something hard. If you preachers would preach with maps, you'd see stuff. I don't see how anybody can actually teach the Bible without some kind of maps in front of them. So you'll know who these people are. If you say, if you say Syria, you don't know that the Caucasus Mountains is up here. That's the Caucasian range that goes through right there. It, if Israel is carried away by Syria, and you get up here, and they find a little town up there, as you're barely into what we call Russia, but ancient Assyria. Duh. <laughs> right up here, there's a little town that somebody settled and called it Jericho. Well, Jericho is down here. The original Jericho is right down here above Jerusalem. When northern Israel was carried away, somebody started a little town and called it after this Jericho down here. It's not like this is that hard. Now, It's going to take me a while to get through this right here. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, there's a commandment this has been a great controversy among the so-called scholars. Commandment to restore And build Jerusalem. What he's going to do, he's going to give us that time period in the next couple of sentences. Remember, Jerusalem has been leveled to the ground. And it's been burned to the ground. All the stones of the temple have been removed. What they would do when you had temples or buildings that burn everything to the ground, then they would take plows and plow it up then they would sow salt all through those rose ruts so nothing would grow there when you looked at Jerusalem just two or three months after Nebuchadnezzar had been there it looked like a wasteland it was depressing that's the reason Jeremiah 
who was the last major prophet to preach in Jerusalem for 40 years from from 626 B.C. until 586 B.C. He was the last prophet. He preached for 40 years saying, Nebuchadnezzar's coming over here and he's going to crush this little nation. And he did that and they stayed crushed on May 14, 1948. Well, he was telling people, you got to repent. If you don't, God's carrying you away. And God says, I'm the one that caused Nebuchadnezzar to come in and do just that. So the, from the going forth of commandment, there are four commandments. And the argument among the so-called scholars is which commandment was given to restore and build Jerusalem. You had one in Ezra. Well, first of all, you had the command in Second Chronicles. 36th chapter the last couple of verses in that chapter and then you had Ezra which is the book that comes right after 2nd Chronicles 1st and 2nd Chronicles Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job Ezra, Nehemiah, Ezra, Nehemiah Ezra the first chapter it gives you two accounts the first three verses 1 through 3 This gives you the account of the first decree. And that first decree was to rebuild the temple. And you can see that when you read it. It's like simple. Let's look at that real quick. It's not the second or the third decree to rebuild Jerusalem. It's the fourth decree, and I'd like to show you that. Look over here in in Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter. This is where Nebuchadnezzar comes in and crushes Israel. This is at the very end, if you notice. This is the very end of the books of the kings. The Jews called all six books, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. They called them by one title, the Book of the Kings, because you had the books of the kings. And Nebuchadnezzar comes in, and he carries away verse twenty, thirty-six, verse twenty. And them that had escaped from the sword, he had leveled the temple, leveled the city burned it all to the ground. Them that escaped the sword carried he away to Babylon. They didn't carry him luxuriously away. They stripped them naked, tied their hands behind their back, and they walked 650 miles towards Babylon. A lot of them died along the way. Where they were servants to the king of Babylon and his sons until the reign of the king of Persia and here's why they were carried away to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah 
until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. She had 70 Sabbaths, 70 times 7. Every seven years they had a sabbatical year. And they had 70 sets of them. They never kept 70 sets. So, they were carried away. Now, if you'll notice, she kept Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years. A score is 20. Three score is 60 plus 10 is 70 years in Babylon. Now, let me show you something. You see that where he carried him away to fulfill three score and ten years. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, you jump from Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. You jump to verse 22. Between verse 21 and 22, you jump to Cyrus, king of Persia, and that was in 539 B.C. We know the temple is going to be that Cyrus is going to give the first decree in in 538. So 586 down, if it was 536, it would be 50 years. But since it's 538, it's only 48 years. So from from verse 21 to verse 22, there's 48 years just cut in two. From verse 21 to 42, 22. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah. He's been reading Jeremiah too. Jeremiah was the guy that was walking through the streets for 40 years saying, well, King Nebuchadnezzar is going to come and carry you away. So he was reading, you know what he was doing? Reading the same thing that Daniel was reading in Daniel, the ninth chapter, the first, the second verse. Daniel was reading the book of Jeremiah, which would have been Jeremiah, the 25th chapter, Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, where God says 70 years are going to be accomplished in Babylon. Then, remember, Cyrus was a Persian king. Remember, I told you the other day that the laws of the Medes and Persians altereth not. You couldn't change them. The man that wrote them couldn't change them. They were there as long as the Persian Empire stood. So it says here, The Lord stirred up the spirit of king of Persia that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it in writing. When a Persian king put something in writing, it was law. Even he couldn't change it. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kings of the earth have the Lord God of heaven given me. Isn't that amazing? He was a Persian or a... He was a... A heathen king says, God gave me these kingdoms. 
If you look real close, it's amazing to see one of them say that. And he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. God has charged Cyrus to build the temple that's been crushed and raised. And R-E-Z-E-D means to level. Which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem and build. And when you flip the page, you get to Ezra. He does it twice. Remember, when there's any, when God wants something laid down as a law, He wants two witnesses. Here's the second witness. You're flipping your page, look at Ezra, the first chapter. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord, by the mouth of Jeremiah, he says the same thing that Second Chronicles says. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 25 and Jeremiah 29 that God wanted them in Babylon for 70 years. Might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation that was unchangeable throughout all his kingdoms. And he put it in writing. Anytime a Persian king put it in writing, I keep saying that because that fourth decree Artaxerxes is going to put in writing. Thus saith Cyrus king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem. He's charged Cyrus. How in the world did they know that? God said... If you remember Zechariah around 520 B.C., he was praying and asking God how long they'll be in captivity. And God says, It'll not be by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. When my spirit goes and touches the mind and the hearts of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes to give decrees to send Israel back to their homeland to rebuild the temple first by the first three decrees and rebuild the city from the going forth command to rebuild Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince. This is all one thought and charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem which is in Judah. Now, there's a second decree given in Ezra the 6th chapter. These are three decrees but something happens before the sixth chapter. I'll give you what happens before the sixth chapter. All right. We got the first decree here. First decree is by is by Cyrus. The second decree is given by Darius. The first decree was in 538 B.C. The second decree is given in 5... I'll get in a minute. 520 B.C. Something happens between here and here. A man 
rises up named Tatanai. Tatanai. Tatanai is the enemy of the people of God. He doesn't like what's going on. Tatanai is what you call a satrap. S-A-T-R-A-P. A satrap was an ambassador for the king. He was the king's representative to take care of collecting taxes, to paying bills for the king. Tatanai is over here in Israel. The king is over here in Babylon. And at this time, at this time, Darius is the king. Darius is the king. I already put it up there. Well, Tatanai in the previous chapters between the first chapter and between that that sixth chapter of Ezra, I've got to explain something to you. When Darius came, gave this decree to rebuild the temple, the house of God, that could not be repeated. You could not make a law once you had a law. It was made by an everlasting position. The, the king of, of, of uh, Persia, once he made a decree, it couldn't be repeated. So Darius knew he could not make a decree to rebuild the temple. The only thing he could do was make a decree to affirm this first decree. But Ezra, not Ezra, the king of Babylon, Cyrus, had been dead for some years because it was a considerable amount of time between when when Tatnai comes along. He tells Israel, you are a rebellious city. You've rebelled against God. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over here I'll send my representative. Now, he didn't have an email. If he had, it made it real easy. <laughs> he said, I'm going to send somebody over here and tell them that you're rebelling against, uh, against the land over here building this city. He didn't know that the decree had already given given by Cyrus to rebuild, and he was committing treason by even saying that. Well... Tatanai goes over to over to Babylon where the where King Darius is. And he goes before Darius and says, These people are over here building this this temple. And Darius says, I've heard about the decree that Cyrus, the previous king, has made. Darius is king in 520. Darius had made that decree in 538. So when Tatnai comes along and threatens Israel, they get scared. They go, he's a representative of the king. We better stop building. So they stop for two years till 520 to 536 B.C. They just dead for two years. 
Nothing going on in rebuilding the temple. And then, 16 years passes, and two men are called by God to jump the people's case and say, Get back building! And those two prophets are Haggai and Zechariah. Haggai prophesies for three months. Then Zechariah comes along after him and prophesies for basically around two to two and a half years. When you read the first chapter of Haggai, you'll understand what he's saying. Turn over to Haggai. I'll just kind of fill in a lot of these spots as I go. Go to Haggai. Don't lose your place there the sixth chapter of Ezra. Go over to Haggai, which is the book right before Zechariah. They're there together. That's right at the end of the Old Testament. About the third book from the end. And when you when you know what's happening in the history, you know what this means. Alright. It's the third to the last book of the Old Testament. Right before. So when you read Haggai, and Zechariah's job is to tell people, you stopped 16 years ago building the house of God. Get busy! And when you see this right here, in verse 3, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, Israel, O ye, to build your sealed houses, and this house of God lies waste? He's jumping their case. This is not, it's not like, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lies waste. You dwelling in your sealed houses and God's house is lying waste. What are you doing? Get busy. And they're not paying any attention to that now because they evidently know the law. So they're telling them. He said, your houses are sealed, you're protected, and God doesn't have a house. Sounds like Haggai is kind of mad. Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, Israel. He's jumping all over them. You have so much and bring in little. God says, if you don't obey me, I'll give you famine. That's why he says you so much, you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but are not filled with drink because there's a famine in the land of Israel now or in Babylon concerning the Israelites because you stopped building the house of God. You clothe you, but there is no warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Reminds me of Hank Williams' song. My bucket's got a hole in it. They go out there to gather, and they gather little. Because of God's judgment against them. Haggai is jumping down their throat. Now let's go back over here. Let's go back over here to Ezra. This is the second decree that's given. So let's read a little bit of this second decree in the sixth chapter of Ezra. 
Then Darius the king made a decree, but not a decree to rebuild the temple because he couldn't make that decree. It's already been given. All he has to do is go find the decree that Cyrus had made and say, that decree is true, do what it says. And you'll find Haggai and Zechariah coming on the scene in the previous chapter, the fifth chapter of Ezra. And right before that, the chapter before that is where Tatanai in this fifth chapter uh, let me just read something about Tatanai in verse 6 of chapter 5. The copy of the letter that Tatanai, governor on this side of the river, and Shebozmanai and his companions, the Afar Sakites, which were on this side of the river, sent unto Darius the king. They're going to tell you what they're saying about the Israelites. You've got to understand Cyrus gave the first decree and it's law it's not something they can change Tat and I better watch out and behave himself he's going to get killed they sent a letter unto Darius wherein was written thus unto Darius the king Darius the king all peace be it known unto the king Darius this is from a wicked man Tat and I this is his letter. Be it known unto the king that we went into the province of Judea, which was the hills around Jerusalem, to the house of the great God, which is builded with great stones and timbers laid in the walls, and his work goeth fast on and prospereth in their hands. Then asked we these elders and said unto them thus, Who commanded you to build this house and make up these walls? You really don't want to know. Cyrus, the king. And they're saying, who commands you to do this? We ask their names also, and we certify thee that we write the names of the men that were the chief of them so we can send those names to Darius in Babylon. Well, let's jump over to chapter 6. They get to Babylon, and they get to talk to King Darius. Darius loves Daniel, he's a godly and just man. Tatanai is going against the wrong people. Then Darius the king made a decree. But it wasn't a decree concerning the rebuilding of the temple. He couldn't do that. So he made a decree to search was made in the house of the rolls. The rolls were the scrolls. They kept them inside a little courthouse and they rolled them out. And they're making a search looking for this original decree because if there was one made, it's law. Where the treasures were laid up in Babylon. And there was found at Akmatha in the palace that is in the province of the maids a roll and therein was a record thus written. He finds the decree of Cyrus. So all he can do is write a decree to affirm that decree. He can't make a new decree. As I said the other day when I was talking to the laws and needs and Persians alters not. If you see a, if you're out here on Gallatin Road going down towards Rivergate and there's a sign that says speed limit uh, 60 miles an hour, 
you can't go up here to the city and say, let's get a law that we can make a speed limit here on the highway, 60 miles an hour. They say, we already got one. We don't need to make that law again. That's the way it was the laws of Medes and Persians. And so they found this decree in the first year of Cyrus. Huh, the king made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be building and the place where they offered sacrifices and let the foundations there be strongly laid. That's all the decree they need. That's that's the only thing I got to do is tell Tat and I. It's already been made. You leave that alone. He just wanted to stop. But wait till you hear what happens. And the height thereof three score cubits, and the breadth thereof three score cubits, with three rows of great stones and a row of new timber. Cyrus laid out everything. And let the expenses be given out of the king's house. And also let the golden and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple, which is at Jerusalem, and brought into Babylon, be restored. Anything that came, when Nebuchadnezzar went in, he carried all the vessels of the house all the way. He carried away the brazen altar. He carried away the the glassy sea, the brazen sea. He carried away the Ark of the Covenant. He carried away the altar of incense, the gold altar of incense, all those things that were inside there. He carried away all the materials that the priest needed to dress in. He carried away the Ark of the Covenant. He carried away the candlesticks. He carried away the table of showbread. He carried away the altar of incense, carried away this, that altar, that brazen altar, and the sea. Carried away all of it. And Cyrus said, let it all be carried back. Oh, where was I? And brought into Babylon to be restored and brought again unto the temple which has ruled Jerusalem everyone to his place and place them in the house of God. That was Cyrus's decree. That's all Darius needed. That was, they found that in the summer house of Cyrus. Now therefore, Tatnai, governor, the satrap of Darius over there in Israel, they're over here 600 miles away in Babylon, Tatnai standing there making accusations against the children of Israel, standing before Darius the, the king. And Darius says, You're right, look, Mr. Tatnai. We found the decree that was made by the previous king. Well, actually, there was one between him and them. Him and there was Cambyses, the son of Cyrus, but he was an insignificant king. Now therefore, Tatnai, governor beyond the river, Shuthar Bozni, and your companions, the Afarsakites, which are beyond the river, be ye far from thence. Get away from me. Poor Darius is angry. 
Let the work of this house of God alone. You got that, that night? Darius is on his hours now. He is with the law. The law says what Cyrus did has to stand. The only decree he can make is you keep this one that Cyrus made. And let the work of this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God in his place. This is Mr. Darius who's 600, 650 miles away from Jerusalem where the house is. Moreover, boy, he's going to make a decree that's going to make Tat and I dance like a cat on a hot tin roof. <laughs> I love what he says. Moreover, I make a decree what you shall do to the elders of the Jews for the building of the house of God, that of the king's goods, even of the tribute, the tax money, beyond the river Jordan, forthwith expresses be given unto these men that they be not hindered. You understand, Mr. Tatanai? I'm a king. Boy, he's laying the law down to Tatanai. And that which they have need of, both young bullocks and rams and lambs for burnt offerings and of God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and all according to the appointment of the priests which are at Jerusalem, let it be given them day by day without fail. And you're going to pay for it, Tatanai. Whoo! This guy bit off more than he knew he was taking. That they may offer sacrifices of sweet savors unto the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also I have made a decree that whosoever shall alter this word that I just made. Boy, he's fixing to say something to Tatnai. Ooh. Let timber be pulled down from his house and being set up, let him be hanged thereon and let his house be made a dunghill for this. Mr. Tatnai, if you hinder this, to hang a man on a tree didn't mean to crucify him on a cross. The way they did that back then, they ran a tree up his bottom, out his mouth. He said, we're going to put you on a tree and start with your bottom and come out your mouth. And then you're going to say, I can't talk. i got a tree in my mouth. <laughs> oh, me. Can you imagine how Tat and I must have felt? He just danced around and said, Yes, sir, King. Yes, sir. Okay, okay. I, I, I didn't know. Well, you better find out. So we know that wasn't the decree to restore and build Jerusalem, don't we? That was a decree to, re, to reinforce the first decree, and that was building the temple. We're talking about from the going forth commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah, to restore and build the city. So we hadn't got there yet, have we? There's two other decrees. Two others. How much time do I have, Mike? Ten. Ten. Well, I don't know how far I can get in ten. We got two other decrees. Darius is dead, long time dead. Ezra is over in Babylon. 
Ezra's in Babylon. And there's another decree in 457, 56, somewhere in that neighborhood. Those are approximate dates, B.C. And the last decree is in Nehemiah, the second chapter. This decree in the, this is in Ezra, the seventh chapter. Notice this is in the sixth, the sixth chapter, and the seventh is here. And this is, this decree was given in 520. They had quit building for 16 years from 536 to 520. This was the second year of Darius. Then you get down here. We're talking about from 520, that would be 20 plus 50, 70. It would be 67 years later. Darius is going to be long dead. And the man that's king now is Artaxerxes, A-R-T-A-X-E-R-X-E-S. Artaxerxes. And Artaxerxes is the king, the monarch of Persia over in Babylon. He's over here in Babylon. And he gives a decree and there's no mention in Ezra the seventh chapter of rebuilding the city. So we know that this is not rebuilding the city. Decree is not. And we know this one is not because all this does is reinforce, reinforce the decree, the first decree to build the temple. It has nothing to do with the city. They had a little makeshift city where they all lived. But the one to rebuild the righteous city of Jerusalem hasn't been given yet. Then you get over here to Ezra the seventh chapter. Well, let's flip our page and look at Ezra seven. Nothing in this chapter. Let me get to it here. Nothing in this chapter is there to confirm the building of a city all this is for is send more priests send more monies send send more supply money for them to operate the temple that's what this one was for just for the temple there's three decrees concerning the temple of God that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed in 586 the first one the second by Darius the third one by Artaxerxes, and the fourth one is also by Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes dearly loved Nehemiah. He was a dear friend of Nehemiah. Isn't that amazing how these monarchs and God comes to him and says, Supply the temple. They're pagan kings. Boy, it makes me wonder if Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes were believers. They did some things that's just unbelievable. When the Bible says in Zechariah, the fourth chapter, not by might, 
through my spirit, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That's not some Pentecostal verse where everybody jumps and goes, whoopee. But by my spirit, saith the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the truth. God actually comes to these three men and puts it in their mind for Israel to go back and Cyrus, 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 Darius, and Artaxerxes, he puts it in their minds, tell Israel to go back, rebuild the temple, and verify the rebuilding of the temple where it's given, and then over here to supply to supply the temple in 457 and Ezra the seventh chapter. Let's read just a little bit. I won't read this whole chapter. Just a little bit so we can eliminate the first three decrees concerning rebuilding the city. I had to go through this so you can see that. It's good to see what God does to his enemies. When you get to when you get to Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, he has an enemy called Sanballat. And Sanballat tries to stop Nehemiah, just like Tatanai tried to stop the people from building. And he gets in trouble too. If you try to stop the preacher of truth, God will deal with you severely. If I'm telling the truth, you better watch out. I'm not going to defend myself. I have a great defender. That's the Lord God. And if you try to condemn me and give me a hard time and try to split the ministry and do things that are wrong, God will deal with you. I believe that with all my heart. Then in this seventh chapter, which is the third decree, I can't read all of it. Uh, this is about let me read the first verse now after these things in the reign of Artaxerxes king of Persia I told you he's the king at this time Ezra the son of Sarai the son of Azariah the son of Hilkiah the son of Shalom the son of Zadok oops we're dealing with high priest with Ezra the son of Ahitab the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of, of Mareoth, the son of Zahiah, the son of Uzi, the son of Buki, the son of Abishua, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron the high priest. Ezra is a high priest of Israel. He's in the lineage of Aaron. You had to be a son of Aaron to be a high priest. You couldn't be a descendant of Moses and be a high priest. Moses was three years younger than Aaron, but Aaron was the high priest of Israel. Ezra went up from Babylon. He was he was ready scribe in the law of Moses. A scribe was the top was the top rabbi and which the God of Israel had given, the king granted him all requests according to the hand of the Lord and his God. And it tells about all the things that he's sending to Israel. And he came to Jerusalem. So he leaves Babylon and he's coming to Jerusalem, which was in the seventh year of the king. For upon the first day of the first month began he to go 
up from Babylon and on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem, 600 miles away. So in that one sentence, he's traveling 600 miles, at least 650, according to the good hand of God with him. And Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. Ezra is the man that's given credit being a high priest of God for correlating all the Old Testament. And and the first three decrees are in the book of Ezra. I've never heard anybody even preach the book of Ezra. You think that's important? I guess it is. Him and Nehemiah were very close friends. That's why Nehemiah follows on the heels of Ezra. And to teach Israel statutes and judgments. Now this is the copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave unto Ezra, the priest. So he signs this letter, therefore it's law. The scribe and every scribe and the words of the commandments of God and his statutes of Israel. Artaxerxes, king of the kings, unto Ezra the priest, a scribe of the law of God of heaven and perfect peace in all such a time. I make a decree that all they of the people of Israel, this is law. All the people of Israel and his priests and Levites in my realm, which are minded of their own free will to go up to Jerusalem, go with thee, but you can stay here if you want to. Am I out of time? And you'll go through this and you will not find any decree to rebuild the city. You only find that in Nehemiah the second chapter. I'm out of time. I'll come back to Nehemiah the second chapter and we'll look at Sanballat, the enemy of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for truth. Lord, help us to understand this book. You've made it a story to us. Thank you for the ability to see it. Lord, I pray that you'll fight all of our battles. I've got so many battles. People want to destroy me and stop this ministry. Teach them it'll be just like it was with Tat and I. I was saying about it. If people try to hinder the work of God, God will destroy them. I pray you'll give us strength to undergo everything we have to do. Strengthen the church and the flock. Show us what we need to do with this coronavirus upon us. We'll praise you and give you honor and glory for everything in Christ's name. Amen. I like what God does to Tat and I.